Okay, last week we started to speak about <clears throat> pursuing the lover, supplying the water. I spoke about many things last week. My, my theme is this, pursuing the lover. Pursuing the lover. Nisa, can I just ask you to put you on the spot just for a minute? Just come here, my friend. <clears throat> you are a, God sent you this morning just for this illustration. Now, it's going to be... I want you to do something very serious. I want you to describe in one 20 seconds, 30 seconds, this lady you're going to marry. <clears throat> Come on, Nisa. <laughs> Come on. No, I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Anna's an amazing woman. And first of all, she's... Um, a godly woman and she focuses on that and she puts God above me which is definitely important because I know in the house that can get skewed but apart from that um, I know that she loves me very much um, she's taken our culture um, and God has a plan for both of us which I can see is like lining up um, no she's amazing and I can't ask for more so what else can I say there's a reason why I'm asking this. That's exactly how we rehearsed it, wasn't it? The reason why I say that is because why would you marry a woman that you can't describe? Why would you be involved in a relationship that you can't describe? Think about this. It's so important that if you're going to pursue God in your relationship, Jesus Christ, you must at some point be able to describe in your, to others and to yourself the very person that you're in love with, the very person that you're trying to pursue, you must be able to describe. You know, I've been married now for many years. I think it's 35 this year, it is, yeah, 35 years. Yeah, yeah, it covers in many years now, 35 years. And I can describe Carol to you very, very well. And the Carol I met in many ways is still the same Carol, but in many other ways she's a very different uh, lady today. And, you know, in all that, there's better and there's indifferent. But there's more better than there is indifferent. And there she is. I speak of my princess and she walks out the door. There you go. <laughs> Hi, my beloved. Here she comes, bouncing over the meadows. <laughs> Take your position, darling, at the table. I can describe this lady to you, just like Nisa described Anna to you. Albeit was a little bit embarrassed. He could, he could say a little bit. He wasn't prepared for that, so thanks, Nisa, for that. But you serve as a great illustration this morning for me. Is that we are trying to... Pursue God in a very, very powerful, unique way. We're not talking about just serving God. We're talking about pursuing him. Many of you will never serve a God that you never pursue. You'll never sue. This lady serves me, and I serve this lady because we pursue each other. And Jesus only, you know, when he, when he saw his servants, he said, no servant is greater than his master. But today I call you friends. They graduated. Why? They graduated because they pursued him for three and a half years. 
They walk with him. They, they can describe him because they walk with him for three and a half years. If you, the book of John says, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which our own hands have laid hold of, this is what we make known to you so that your fellowship will be complete with us. So in other words, these guys could explain and, listen, to ease, they could explain and express. You can't just, to explain, you've got to be able to express. They expressed who he was in their midst. They expressed after he had left and gone back to the Father, they could explain and express Jesus everywhere they went. And it's so important that if you're going to pursue anyone in life, at some point, you must be able to describe them. So many people want to get into a relationship and they don't know the person. Come on. They don't know the person. So the pursuit is all the wrong foundation. It's the wrong foundation. Why are you pursuing? I should say, what are you pursuing? Where is that pursuit taking you? Jesus said to me, follow me. Right? So if... So who's leading? Who's following? Right. So if he's leading and you're following, therefore, he is dictating the pace and the direction of the pursuit. Your job is to follow him. Is that not true? But at some point, he didn't, they couldn't describe him. They couldn't describe him. But it's in the pursuit that you learn about him. You learn his ways, you learn his, his, his temperament, you learn his character, you learn his nature, you learn so many things in the following. But it doesn't take a lot of following before you have some element of expression. I only have to be around some, some of you guys for an hour and you be around me for an hour before you can express the person you've just been with. So it doesn't, you don't have to be around a person a long time, but you must know where you're going. Because... Here's the issue. If someone says, follow me, in the following, I am becoming. I will make you, Jesus said. So if I'm pursuing him, what is he making me? What is he making in me? What am I going to become? I must know what I'll become like through this pursuit. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'll make you fishermen. I'll make you fishers of men. So, excuse me, he was telling them, what they could expect to become like through this pursuit. But many of us follow Christ and we still haven't got a clue who we're becoming. Many of us still, after all these years, ashamedly still cannot stand up and give a testimony. That is disgraceful. That is absolute disgraceful. Why? He said, you'll be my witnesses. The whole idea of following him is that you, he will make you a witness. And if you can't express him and explain who he is, then how can you be a witness? Come on, think about that. So, I'm aware that I could really go on a rabbit trail here. And since we're not chasing rabbits this morning, I'll stick with where I'm supposed to be going, which is the place called I don't know.
Last week I said to us, uh, I read the scripture and we'll read it again from Matthew 16, 19. And he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 16, 19. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I tell you that you are, put your name in there, put your name in there. And I tell you, Mary's, Jimmy, John, Bill, that on this rock I'll build my church. I'd like to know, I'd like to see what he pointed to at that point. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now we said last week I, I brought a big set of keys and I give an illustration of a key. Let me just, give me a key, Carol, please. A key, so let's just say this is the key. And I gave you this illustration and I asked you, what do you see? Some of you shouted out a key. I said, no. What do you see? Well, a man turning the key. No, not quite. What you see is a man holding a key and navigating the key to, into its lock. But who's the man? There has to be a man in your life. If you are a key, if you are a key, I'll give you the keys. Now, that is plural. There's many expressions of that word keys because you are a key. You are a key that God can put in a lock and unturn. So if you are the key, who has got hold of your life? Who is navigating? Whose hands can turn you left or right? Who can navigate you? That's the question here. How can I give you the keys of the kingdom if you won't become a key to the kingdom? Come on. How can, how can you, God give you keys if you are not a key yourself? So if I'm a key, God can give me keys. And because Christ, I am in Christ and I give my life to Christ, Christ is steering my life. So that keys, revelational keys, understanding, insights into many, many things. If I'm a key, I can express those keys through my life. Yeah? Does that make sense? So you are a key. Everyone's a key. If you're in relationship with Jesus and depending on the relationship, can God steer your life? And if he can, then God can give you wisdom, knowledge and understanding, which makes you now a key on the ground. Now God can express the keys of the kingdom through you, through your life. Because God's got hold of you and you've got hold of Christ. But the moment you don't want him to hold on to your life, then what good is a key in your hand? Think about it. There's no point in me giving you keys if you can't be responsible and you won't give your life and submit your life to a higher form. Does that make sense? So we looked at that. And we said keys are a metaphor for principles and patterns that they help to empower us to see, to understand, to, to, to know, to be able to act and perform in many things that God wants us to do. We said that words can be a key. How many of you know the right word is a good key? The bad word can also be a key. How many of you know the wrong word at the wrong time can shut doors in your face? True? And the opposite is also true. The right word at the right time can open a key. Yeah? So you may have a right key, but a wrong spirit. 
Come on, think about that. You may have the right key, but if your spirit's wrong, the door stays closed. It's true. A wrong spirit. The whole thing of you, God pursuing you is, David prayed, and put a right spirit within me. A right spirit is important if we're going to pursue God. A right spirit. You see, when you speak the right keys, see, this morning I can say things, hopefully by the Spirit of God. And as I say things, you can feel the lock in your heart beginning to turn and open closer to what's being said. Where if you judge me and don't like me, everything I say will be locking that door into your heart. That's why I say it takes a lot of grace to speak to the same group of people. Because there's so many uh, perceptions and, and uh, projections coming towards me that your, my way, the way I, I speak and the way my grace works or the way my grace doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> um, that's a contradiction in terms, but it can close your heart or it can open it. So I must have a right spirit before God and before you. So as long as I'm speaking with the right spirit, if you perceive me differently, that's your issue. But as long as I get sh- make sure my heart's right before God and before people, because if my heart's not right and I need to say some tough things, how many of you know that tough things gets even worse? So I know sometimes when I've got to say things, I have to make sure my heart is right before the Lord. So I say it and I say, Lord, give me the grace to say what needs to be said in such a way that when people receive a hard word, their response is, yes, Lord. Amen. You know, rather than fight and struggle, because as a pastor, I certainly don't want you to fight and struggle. I'm, fight, I'm fighting in the spirit for keys so that we can put keys into your hands. But if you can't walk with the Lord and don't walk with the Lord, then keys are no good in your hands. You become a listener rather than a doer. See, every time I go to Malaysia, I've said it a thousand times, so I might as well say it a thousand and one. I hate going. I've got to that point now where Malaysia does nothing for me, but it does everything for me. I hate the journey, but I love being actually there. I wish I could just do that. I honestly hate getting on that plane. I hate getting in through Kuala Lumpur. I don't like it no more. It's, I'm brassed off with it. Can't say no. I said to Phil, I said to Phil getting on the plane, I said, I don't never told you this before, Phil. You know, I don't want to travel on this plane. He said, no, you haven't told me that before. I said, well, I'm just letting you know. That's right. Listen, what, good, what, what is a good friend if I can't moan at you? But I love being in Malaysia. Just don't like going to Malaysia. But why do I go? Good question. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. It's because I get keys. I get keys for my life. And if I get them for my life, they're for your life. It's become my fountain. It's where I drink. It's where I need to drink. Amen? It's the place where I dine and, and drink in the spirit because I have a spiritual father who, to me, is God's gift to my life. And I know many of you feel that way as, you know, you've been there yourself and, and, and have uh, received what I've received. So you know what I'm saying. So we know there's many things that are key in our life and, and, and the apostolic prophetic ministry has become a, a real key to my life. But knowledge is a key. That's why so many chase it. But, you know, knowledge takes you in so many different paths. 
in so many different paths, in so many directions. Knowledge can be a good thing, but it can also be a very burdensome thing. Depending who's putting the pressure on you. Yeah? It's wrong. How many of you know knowledge is wrong and, knowledge is wrong and dangerous in the wrong hands? Yeah? Wisdom is a key. You need wisdom. That's why the Proverbs tells us, get wisdom. Get understanding. These are the keys that Jesus has given us and he wants you to have. These keys. Now, if Proverbs tells us, son, pay attention. Listen to your father's words and your mother's instructions and da-da-da-da. And do everything you can to get hold of knowledge, wisdom and understanding. How much effort do you think is required? A lot. He said, do everything you can. Do everything you can to get knowledge, wisdom. So, how do I get knowledge, wisdom and understanding? I've got to get them somewhere. Somebody, I've got, I, need to find, I need to find a key. Somebody who's got the key to those things that I need to know. Listen, with the greatest respect to every day with Jesus, it doesn't carry the keys you need. You need a bit more than that. Nothing wrong with every day with Jesus, but you need a bit more than that. It's a starter, absolutely. I'm not decrying it. It's helped a lot of people. But you need a relationship. You need good Bible reading. You need excellent people around you. You need a bit more than just one thing. Yes? Like you need more than just a good church. You need more than just good friends. Nothing. There's never one thing. You know on there? How, how many keys are on there? Right. You know why there's too many on there? Because there's too many doors that need opening. Now, the trouble is, with keys like this, we, keep, we tend to play by the law of attachment. We keep a lot of old keys. But guess what? I know what every one of the key works. I know where the, doors, where the doors are and everything to them. Why? Because I'm familiarized. These keys are a tool in my hand. Now, you're spiritually, you may just have that many. But it depends how much you're searching. Now, look at this lot. There's a classic example of how many keys I've got. That's called accumulation. But spiritually, how many keys do you have? You never know until you come to need them. So, how many of you ever considered... This thing has been a key. The world is desperate for it. The world is desperate for it. The world sells it. It's a commodity to one nation. Singapore get their water from Malaysia. So in the future, the wars in the world will be over water. And other basic commodities. If we could sell fresh air we would do. If we could tax it, the government would do. Right? This is, uh, this is vital to your life, is it not? Yes. Now, for me to drink this now, it's just, it's just pure enjoyment, refreshment. But if I put myself in a hot climate, how much v- more value does that have? It has a lot more value depending where I am in the world. How many of these bottles will I find After this service, how many bottles will I find half drank? Quite a lot. 
How many bottles, how many cans next door will be left and thrown away? Why? Because we're frivolous with what somebody else is gasping for. Because over here, we, we're, we, this is called the land of plenty. But over there, wherever, wherever over there is, there's desperacy and need. And people have to go to dirty streams and, and, and have all kinds of infections and stuff like that just to get the basic thing that you and I could turn a tap on and get it. Is it, is it Northwest Waters got fined for having, uh, for having bacteria in the water? And there's outrage. And now Northwest Waters has been fined because they let this bacteria in this water where millions of countries, man alive. The, water, the water's not even white by the time they get it out the stream. So we know that water is a, is a key. That's why God put so much of it on the earth. True? We said last week that spirits, demonic spirits, do not dwell around water places. Now, when we say water places, we're not talking about physical water places. We're talking about spiritual believers who have got a well running on the inside of them. Demonic spirits cannot attack and don't attack and don't dwell around people who's got full of the life of the spirit. They they, they seek and they kill and destroy those who have no water supply. The water supply is the key thing. The water supply, the key, one of the keys of the kingdom is living water. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. There is a water that Jesus spoke of. There is a confusion in this woman's mind because she's thinking Jesus is talking about H2O, physical water. Jesus is not talking about physical water. Jesus is talking about living water. There's two different types of water. The woman didn't have the key. She had access to physical water, but she didn't have the spiritual key and understanding and insight when she first started to dialogue with Jesus as to what the key was. And she was caught up in this natural understanding as opposed to spiritual insight. Now, we look at this woman and we say, she's just a woman. This story's old now. We've read this many, many times, but I guarantee many people, many people come to church like that woman. They bring their buckets. They bring the Bibles with them. They bring the pens. But there is nothing to carry the living water beyond their Bible and their pen. They do not have a well-nourished soul, a buoyant spirit. So you can bring your Bible. You can bring the latest laptop. You can bring your iPads and anything else. You can bring all that. But what do you have to carry what's being poured out? If you can't carry and sustain the living water that's being poured out, then you're no different from the woman. You're no different from the woman. Water is essential for you and for me. Now, last week I asked you three different questions. I asked you and encouraged you to go back home and ask yourself the question, do you love me? And why do you love me? 
Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times. Why did he ask him three times? It was important. It was cancelling every time he denied him. Do you love me? Then there was an action that came from the question, from the response. Whenever Jesus asks you a question, it's a key. Whenever Jesus asks you a question, it is a key. He's ready to give you a key from the kingdom. So when God asks you a question, you must answer it. You may not be able to answer it, but that is in itself is an indication. Pursue me for the answer. When God asked me, when I'm praying some years ago, and I'm really giving it some in prayer, and I just turns my back, and God says to me, it's, I'm praying that God will use our church for the city. And God says to me, it's the wrong question. What? Excuse me. Heard a voice from the inside. Heard this voice say, it's the wrong question. Why don't you ask me what kind of man I need? Oy. That's a different question altogether because now he's making this about me. And I wouldn't talk to God for a week or two on that because I knew, he knew I knew the answer to that. The answer was, I'm not ready to submit to that level so that I can be your man in this city. I didn't mind being a church, but God says, what kind of man does the city need? Notice God didn't ask me what kind of church. God knows what kind of church, but God needs a man. And if God can't find the man, then the keys can't be given to the man. And doors can't be opened up and people can't be set free. The kingdom doesn't advance. All because God can't find a man or a woman. So when God asked me the question, it was a key. And I knew it was a key. And I could feel the pain of the key going in my lock. So God, God was saying, step aside. Let me, I can see that heart of yours is a little bit hard, stiff. Let me, let me squirt some WD-40 in there. To lubricate your heart so that when, I, when my word comes again, it has no resistance this time. And then some weeks later, I began to say, okay, okay, you got your way. He says, no, I haven't. Answer the question I asked you. Because when God speaks, listen, when God speaks, it might be two years later, he's going to pick up on the very question he last left off. God hasn't moved. You moved. So he comes back. You think, well, it was two years ago. Not in my world, it wasn't. Step into eternity. There is no time. In your world, it's only two years gone by. But guess what? I'm still asking the question and waiting for the answer. What kind of man does the city need? Answer the question, son, or we can't move on from here. That's... Quite. It is. And many of you are trying to dodge the question and dodge. God's asked you many times different things and you keep bypassing and thinking it's okay, I've got by him. We play our little games in our minds. We all do that. Don't say you don't. You do. We all play little minds, get little games and thinking God's forgot, God doesn't forget. The man's got a hard drive bigger than you can ever imagine. And a processing unit to bring it back just like that. So God's never stuck for memory. Right? And he brings it back and he'll say, answer the question, son. 
I've been waiting for you for four years to answer that question. Four years of your life. It's quite powerful. It is quite, quite powerful to think that God will wait and pick up where he last left off. But the question is living water. Let me come back to, I'm trying to find something here. So in, John, in Job 17 verse 4, it says, You have closed their minds to understanding. Therefore, you will not let them triumph. You have closed their minds to understanding. Therefore, you will not let them triumph. Now just put, that, put your finger in Job and then go to Ephesians chapter 118. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. See the two differences. One is saying he closed their minds and, and understanding, therefore God will not let them triumph. So God's put a limiter on man's understanding of how far they can go. See this? God's put a limit on people's understanding to how far man can go. So God won't let these people triumph. But yet Paul is praying that the eyes of people's heart may be enlightened. So there's two groups of people. You are not the first company of people. You're the second. Can you understand this? Let me say that again because I don't think you've got that. There's two groups of people. In the Old Testament, Job was talking about a generation that wanted to advance and because they wouldn't listen to God and there wouldn't be a key in his hand, God put a limit over their understanding. But in the New Testament, in Christ, all things have been given to you. So Paul is praying from that resource that God opens up your understanding so that you can understand what's already been given. Yes? Now, who would like the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened? Come on, give me a response, please. In order that you may know the hope you've got. Would you like to really know what your hope looks like? Would you like to look into the cosmos of, of time and see what your future looks like? Of course we would. Yeah? Would you like to know the full extent of his glorious riches? Come on. Would you like to know that? Would you like to know how incompatibly great power he's given us for us who believe? Of course you would. Paul is praying that God shows you that. Now, what do you think the key is to that? Knowing God, living water. There has to be living water flowing inside of you. So let's get to this living water. Let me just go to, give me Bible a minute. Where's me? I'm Bible. Go to John chapter 4, please. I love this story of Jesus with the woman at the well. I really do, because every time I read this book, 
Every time I read this account, God shows me something different. And this story never ceases to, to entertain me. I just see so many different things from it every time I read it. It's amazing how you read scriptures one day and then the next day you see something you didn't see the previous day. And then other days you read things, you don't see nothing. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like you get back pay. It all comes. And Jesus is talking to this woman and she's struggling. She's, she's struggling with the whole issue of culture. He's a, he's a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and I shouldn't be talking, or he shouldn't be talking to me. And he's come for asking me for living water and... He hasn't even got a bucket. What can a man ask for living water? You know, that's so many like, so like many Christians are, have nothing and expect you to supply them. But Jesus had a supply she knew nothing of. Her supply meant that every day she had to keep coming back to this well. Hello? Every day she had to physically keep going back to this well. Eventually, she cottons on and she says, well, give me this water so I won't have to keep coming back. It's still not the right reason, darling, to have this living water. She just wanted water for convenience. It took Jesus to give a word of knowledge about her personal life, about how many men was in her life. That arrested her. That word of knowledge at that particular time arrested that woman. It did. It wasn't the dialogue about the water. It was the word of knowledge. Because she still hadn't got it. That I don't, just give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back. It's almost like saying to you, give me the word on a podcast so I don't have to come to church. Why don't you just video the message so I can stay at home and I don't have to come and I can watch it from my armchair. Guess what? Because we don't do armchair Christianity. And that's why we put the podcast on after. So here we, we start with, if we're going to create living water, here's the first key you need. Word. Let's manufacture now some water. Let's make some water. Should, should, we, should we do it? The first thing you need, the first ingredient you need to become a living well with water springing up, you need word. W. O-R-D. What kind of word? Living word. Truth. Let me give you some definitions of truth. Living truth. All truth. Progressive truth. Prophetic truth. Theological truth. All of those are dimensions of the word word. Because there's truth, historical truth. There's present truth. There's prophetic truth. There's all truth. You getting this? There's wisdom. There's understanding. There's knowledge. All that comes out of word truth. So without word, there is no well. Without the word, there is no well. Why? Jesus said, I have exalted my word above my own name. His word. Is the first and foremost. God spoke the word and created the world. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what won't pass away? Why? Because the word cannot be killed. The word is a person. The word is a person. It's not a language. It's a person. Come on. If you just see word as black and white, 
You've got to be able to see, I think I've shown you this illustration a long time ago. How thick is this Bible? Well, it's thick. How many pages? Right, let's, so can I see you from there? Can I see God from there? No, because it's a solid. But then I open the book and I open a page and now how thin is that piece of paper? It's very thin. But if I look into that word, I should be able to see Jesus. I should be able to see heaven and all the dimensions. But you might just see black and white type on a piece of paper. But that paper is very thin. I should be able to see through that paper. But when I'm reading it, some people don't go beyond the black and white page. But I should be able to see a person. Why? Because if I read it just in the natural mind, then that's all it will ever be. But if I allow my spirit to read it and the spirit of God to read me, then I will see that on the other side of this page is a person talking to me. Can you see that? It's not how thick your Bible is, it's how thick your heart is. It's not how thick the Bible is. One page, we can still struggle on one page. But if I know God and know his word, one page, it can read me and I can read it. One page, it can speak to me and then I speak back to it. Why? Because this page is a living Breathing word is active, it's living. I can have dialogue, but most Christians only read the word and they only have a monologue. Well, pastor, how do you see Jesus? That's the key. That's the key you need. Well, how do I get it? Well, I'm glad you asked. You start off with word. You need word. You need the word, the person. So the person speaks And he has a language, he has a tone, and he has a frequency. If you can't get to know that tone, language, and frequency, then the Bible will just only ever be a word, a book full of words. It is a language. It is a person. So word. Everyone say word. Word. The word is the key. Word is the key. For the word of God, Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and Active. It's sharp than a double-edged sword. It penetrates. Penetrates what? Even dividing soul and spirit. Joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of what? My heart. So when I speak the word, it, it speaks back to me. When I read the word, it speaks to me. So when I pray, God, the word spoke to me. The living word, the author of the word spoke to me. And he said to me, that's the wrong question. Imagine, can you imagine this God of the cosmos speaking to an open shore lad, a Mancunian? Can you imagine that? God of the cosmos speaking to me. What makes me so important? Nothing. The same as you. That all I wanted to do is desire to interact with him. That's all God worked with was my desire to interact with him, to know him, to love him. That's what makes our Christianity. That's why I pursue him, because he speaks. If he, doesn't, if he didn't speak to me, what's the point of pursuing him? He said, well, that's how I feel. Well, if that's how you feel, you're going to need to learn some keys so that you know how to understand his voice and how it's being spoken to you. I guarantee God speaks to you every day, but you just don't recognize it sometimes. So the next thing we need... Is wind. Wind. Because water 
Word is water, yeah? If water stays still without any wind, what does it become? And then you get diseases. Stagnant water. Mosquitoes like stagnant water. Devils like stagnant water. But Jesus is the living word. In other words, it's breathing, it's moving, it's active. There's a wind involved. There's movement in the waters. Is your water stagnant or is your water moving? Is it flowing? Is it moving in a direction? Well, I love Jesus. I didn't ask you if you love Jesus. I asked you if there's any living water inside of you. Well, of course it is because I, I speak to Jesus every day. I didn't ask you that neither. We're not talking about what you know. We're talking about what's growing inside of you. What kind of movement is going on on the inside? Is there living water flowing? Is there wind? So what's the wind? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the wind. John 3 verse 8 says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. But how many Christians say, He's not blowing here. How many churches will not let the Holy Ghost blow? Come on. One of the concerns of my heart is that more and more churches are having less and less of the Holy Spirit. This is a burden in my heart that we must never... We, in many churches, you would never get what we got this morning. Because they won't back off and let the song of the Lord come through. Everything's got to be programmed. We've got a set time. We've got the next crowd coming in. What is it? A cinema? Is it a circus? I thought it was his house. It's his house. The Holy Spirit blows wherever he wants. But if you can't and won't let him blow in your life, then your word will become stagnant. So what does that mean? Well, if you don't, if you struggle to pray and read like most Christians do, the chances are your word will get stagnant. I'll let that sink in. It will. How many cups of tea do you have a day? How many cans of Coke do you have a day? How many soft drinks do you have a day? Right. You have more than one, don't you? Why do you have more than one? Because I want to. It's pleasurable. <clears throat> I like it. I need fluids. The older I get, I need more fluids. Right. So why can't we adopt that principle in the spirit? I need it. I like it. I want it. It's enjoyable. Why can't I have the same attitude in the Holy Ghost? I like the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Spirit. I like the fact that he talks to me clearly. I like the idea he tells me when I'm being an idiot. I like that because I need somebody to tell me, Tony, shut up. Tony, your heart's wrong. Tony, grow up. Tony, forgive. Tony, I love you. I need a God who talks to me like that. God's Mancunian in my head. He speaks to me like a Mancunian. Why? Because that's the God I know. God isn't Mancunian. Don't say our pastor said God's Mancunian. I didn't say God's Mancunian. I said he speaks to me like a Mancunian. Whoever believes in me, the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Where did he say they'll flow? 
Come on, where? From within. From within. The, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Are you born of the Spirit? Are you born of the Spirit, my friends, this morning? I'm asking you, are you born of the Spirit? So it must be able to flow where it wants. If your relationship is vibrant with God, then the, then the Spirit must be able to blow wherever He wants. Then, so we have water, we have wind. Can we create the next one? Well, if you don't say yes, I'll stop. No, 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 shut up, shut up. Rain. Water creates rain. I said, wind creates rain. How many of you know prayer creates rain? <laughs> Should we just go on? If you've, if you're, bo- now listen, watch, watch, watch. If I'm buoyant, if I'm buoyant, get this? So I'm going to take a good gulp. So I've got the water. I've got a relationship with the Lord. I've got word. I've not got wind, but I've got wind. Right? I've got wind. And then I begin to declare and pray and speak what God's word is saying. When I speak into the heavens and I'm buoyant and vibrant and I'm speaking by the Spirit, rain begins to be created over my life. An open heaven opens and it begins to rain over my life. I'm a rainmaker. You're a rainmaker. Jeremiah, sorry, um, Elijah said, There shall be no rain by the, unless by the sound of my voice. There shall be no rain. Now he's actually speaking over his own land. Right, he's over his own land, over his own people. It's almost like the people can say, "Is it Elijah? Shut up, will you? We're all suffering because of what you speak. But there shall be no rain or dew unless by the sound of my voice." Elijah had the power to speak and create rain. So, how many of you believe that you've got the power? This is a key. If you can pray God's word and that word, and I don't mean. Argument, vibra- um, argument, God complaining all the time. Lord, why don't you answer? Why don't you do this? That's not the rain. That you'll get a storm. But if I'm full of, I'm full of the word, then I should be able to create rain. I believe it's going to rain in this place. Yes. I do because I've got enough word in me to create rain. Now, if you bring your word next to my word and we bring it next to her word and their word, we have the capacity to cause it to rain in here. Now, don't be expecting physical rain because there's a roof over our heads. Spiritual rain. God will begin, so God will begin to rain in this place through your mouth. That's why prayer is so key. Prayer connects you to the heavens. The heavens open up and God rains down. Come on. Some of you have not, have not stayed that long in the spirit to see that rain. You know, sometimes when I've prayed, I've actually felt that rain. I've actually felt speckles of rain. First of all, I'm like, well, is it raining? I've actually felt it. 
I'm not, I'm not expecting physical water to drop from the heavens. I don't need prayer for that. Manchester's full of it. Well, I don't want to curse Manchester. We need rain. What I'm saying is, spiritually, I'm believing households are going to get saturated. Households are going to get saturated. So with, we have word, we have wind, we have rain. Then with rain, you get more water. Surprise, surprise. He who believes in me, the scripture has said, John 7, 38. He who believes in me, the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow within him. You get more water. You get a well. You get a stream. Whatever it is, you get your capacity. From word, water, rain. Now we get, we get um, water. With water, we cleanse. With water, we thir- we're sorry, we, we uh, what's the word, quench. With water, we can rejuvenate. With living water, we can hydrate spiritually. How many of you know that? Then from water, we get a well of living water. See, when that woman went to that well, that well had to be dug. That well was there long before she got there. When people come to this church, this well has been here a lot longer than those people. This well we have in this house is generational. Better men, better men than me have walked and stood in this pulpit. I'm not the only one. I'm not the, I'm not the, you know, the, the, the be all and end all. Good men walked in this pulpit. Holy men, righteous men. They dug a well. Why? So that now we can keep on serving. They started something. All we're doing is continuing it. Yes? A well of living water. In John 4, 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But who drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Some people just want a drink. Here he's offering you a well springing up. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to draw water. This was the question. This was the key. This was the key. Sir, give me. Because it opened up a door to another question. Now, how many of you want that water? Well, do you want, do you want, do you want a surprise? You've already been given it. So what are you asking for something you've already been given? The issue is not, give me this water, teach me how to draw water. Teach me how to draw water. So that I won't have to keep doing a lot of other things that I don't need to do. Teach me, Lord, how to hear God. Teach me how to interpret the word. Teach me how to sow the word into the spirit. Teach me how to create rain. You know, guys, if some of you don't want to take this word, that's between you and the Lord. But I know there's many who do want to take this word and will work this word in their field. And I, I, by God's grace, I'm going to irrigate my field. And I'm going to have a crop. God showed me a scripture yesterday. I'm going to share it with you after, Phil. God showed me a scripture the other day that's just so blessed me. I believe it's a key for winning, winning our families. 
It was a divine key. I just I said to Carol today, this is, and I was praying it all Friday. I thought, this is the scripture I've been longing for. And God said, it's always been there. It's always been there, son. It's not new. I didn't write it for you solely. I wrote it because it's a fact. It's there. All I did was bring your attention to that scripture. Now, the key has been given to you. Put it in the lock. Let's see some rain come from that. I needed, a, I needed something to grab hold of so I can call my family in. Now I've got it. I had to preach for 15 weeks and still never got that scripture. I preached for 15, in fact, two, three months we talked about rebuilding the walls. That scripture never was, was never given to me. But guess what? Because I was faithful, now I've got it. Now I could do another 15 weeks. Because now I've got something. I've got, I've got the stream flowing on that, in that area. I've got the water hitting the ground. We haven't seen the fruit yet, but at least I've supply, God's supplying the water to the field. I know how to get heaven to where my kids are. Isn't that worth something? Absolutely. So God says, here I am, son. Your word will create the rain. I know you're a vessel. I know you're living water. Take it, son. Let Just saturate that field. Saturate that field. And keep on speaking it. Keep releasing water. Why? Because this will be the key that turns your family around. I'm in. Living what Jesus said. Anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. I don't need to be thirsty, but I do desire more. Amen? But whoever drinks this water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him. In him. Everyone say, in him. It will become in me. It will become in me a spring. It will become in me a spring. I'm not drinking from a bottle. I'm not drinking from a cup. It will become in me a spring. That spring will rise up. That spring will, will express, will flow out. Why? Because that spring is the word, the word. All I need to do is pump it. It will come in me. It'll come out, keep pumping it, it'll come out, keep pumping it, it'll come out. As it comes out, it changes our landscape. But you've got to pump it in you. Find out what's inside of you. Find out what's inside of you, because when you find out what's inside of you, you'll find out what's missing. And when you find out what's missing, you find out what you need. And when you find out what you need, you ask a different question. Where, sir, where can I get this water from? The question's... Are important. So, the key is this. So we go from winter, from wood, wind, rain, rain with water. Well, you never any other kind of rain. A well of living water. Then we have a stream. Now we're flowing. Now we're uncontrainable. Now we're unstoppable. Now we got a stream. Others can get on board. Others can sail in my waters. Yeah, before it's all about you and your small portion. But now, when, it, when we get to stream, we change the dynamics. All this starts in you. It's all about your capacity. Now, it's all about how much will you pursue him for him to take you to this place. From word to a stream. We ain't finished there. He gets bigger and bigger. Isaiah 32 verse 1. See, we have, did I write the scripture down? I don't think I wrote the scripture down, but you can have it. It's free. 
Well, there it is. It's about the stream flowing in the wilderness. Your stream must be able to flow in the wilderness. You see, you must be able to irrigate other dry lands. Cities are built round rivers. Cities are built round water. Why? Because water irrigates the land. Come on. It's built round water because every, every city needs supply. And here, you're, he said, you'll become like a stream in the desert, a stream in a wasteland. Think of your wasteland. Think of, you, none of us are not that far away from a wasteland. We all know people who are struggling in the swarms and the marshes and the wastelands of life. Your stream has got a flow into it. Not your well, it's a stream that changes it, not just a well. Streams of living water will flow. It will become in me a spring of water welling up. Our spring will become a stream. This house is going to become a stream. You've got to bring your well. And the more you pursue God, your heart, your capacity will enlarge. All God needs is a vessel. So from a stream... Can we go to the next level? A river. A river. From a stream, we become a river. Some churches are rivers. Some are just wells. With a river, you can transport, you can move things, you can get from one place to the other. This is why geography is so important within lands. This is why so many nations are poor, because the rivers don't connect. And when rivers in, turn, in, turn, in some nations don't connect, then they have to go by road and over mountains. And you can't always build a road through a mountain. So where rivers connect, you can shift things from, plant, from point A to point B. You can move things from north to south, east to west. But when rivers don't connect together, it's difficult. Hello? But here God's saying rivers create force, currents. That are difficult to resist. Rivers. You know when rivers burst the bank, they cause all kinds of devastation, don't they? That's in Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 6. Then from the river, do you want the next level? Fast flowing rivers. A fast flowing river. It's got life, energy, pace, focus, direction. It's unstoppable. Do you want to go for the next level? A river can become a sea. Where do our sons and daughters come from? They're carried by the ships of Tarshish, carried on the seas. When you cross from one continent to another, you don't do it by rivers, you do it by seas. God speaks a lot about the sea. Sea has depth. Sea has life. Sea, a sea has a pathway. Shipping lanes, pathways. You know what seas are good for? Missions, assignments, conquest, adventure. How many of you want some of that? Seas are needed for for, uh, exploration, adventure, invasion, conquest. Seas are useful and needed for transforming wastelands and marshlands. With a sea, what good's a sea without a tide? 
Every sea needs a tide. What do the tides do? They coordinate with a higher power, the moon. Tides are moved by things above them. If God, if man can co- coordinate his movements with a higher power, right, God can thrust you upon the shores of a land. Hello? Some of you think you're too old to travel, but you'll go to Spain. You'll go to Spain on holiday, but that's not the only travel God's got for you. It's not the only travel God's got for you. Well, if it hasn't got a beach and it hasn't got a pool, I'm not interested. Well, fine, you're not interested. However, for some others, there's missions and assignments and adventures still yet to be tapped. Yes? But you need a tide. You need to coordinate the movements, your movements with heaven so that God can move you in and move you out in his own will. Come on. You know the one that, the, you know the sun, moon and stars bow down to the Father. So you, if the sun, moon and stars can bow down, how much more must you? We're finishing, don't worry. Every tide needs a wave. Every tide needs a wave. Spiritual waves. I believe I'm prophesying a spiritual wave coming over us. Only as we pursue God will a spiritual wave overtake us. And when a wave comes, it raises you up higher. But you must catch the wave. You must run the wave. Learn to surf the wave. And let the wave take you to its destination. Don't play with it. Don't play with it like in other moves. And last one. Waterfalls. A waterfall. Waterfalls are deep, they roar. Do you know what they roar? They roar the majesty of God. They roar out the majesty of God. Waterfalls speak of depths of God that you must, you and I must know. That's found in Psalm 42, verse 7. Deep calls to deep out the roar of your waterfalls. There's a depth in God. Who's ever been to Niagara Falls? Or who's been to Victoria? Victoria Falls. As long as you've been to one of them. Who's been to Dove Stones? Not the same, is it? (laughs) Somehow it's not the same. No, it's not the same. Niagara Falls, it's amazing. It's powerful. It's, you just see the majesty of God. How this water, for hundreds of years, just keeps coming over. It never dries up. It just keeps pouring. You think there must be a guy with a spoon shoving it in the other end. A bucket. It just never stops. That's God. His unlimited supply of what he can supply to our land if we'll just trust him. Let's stand to our feet. Deep calls to deep. Out the roar of your waterfalls. So many Christians just want a drink. And God said there's so much more potential. The beginning, the day of beginning is called a drink. But the more you pursue, it goes from a drink to a well, from well to rain, from rain to water, from water to a a river, from a river to a sea, from a sea to an ocean. We never mentioned the oceans. The ocean, from an ocean to a waterfall. 
to a wave, to a tide, or tide and a wave. It goes on and on. The end, the supply is endless. The supply is endless. It really is. The key is this word. How you use this word will determine whether you can get to the next. In fact, we should make a game on this. We should put games, put all these different places, find a way. Ideas coming to my mind now. How we can get from, we start with one thing and get to the next. I don't know about you, I want the waterfall experience. I want to hear the majesty of God roar. But you know what? I need to be willing to get into the deep of the waterfall. That's the pursuit. We all want to look cool on a Y50 riding the wave. But where's the, where's the voice of God calling from the deep? Father? Father, the danger is, Lord, that this word just passes by again. And it just becomes a drink and people just leave the bottle half full. Some will drink, some will leave it half empty. Some won't even drink it at all. Some listen but didn't drink. Father, this is the nature of, of humanity when we listen to your word, Father. We have all conflicting, colliding waves going on inside of us, which causes us not to drink responsibly. But my God, I pray, Lord, that you'll take, as I've been prayed all week, Lord, that you will open up our hearts for every man, woman, and child in this building, Lord. You will open up our hearts so that we may know the hope of which you've called us. Father, I pray for greater wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. But Lord, more than anything else, I pray that you will put a holy pursuit in your people. Father, I know I can't do that. I can't put a holy pursuit in your people, Lord, but you can. And I pray, Father, Lord, from this day forth, Lord, there will be a holy pursuit. There will be a holy pursuit. Come on, church. A holy pursuit. We've got to go beyond just drinking. We've got to, go, we've got to get to the point of supplying. 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 Soto robo bobo shiri andara mama makarianda. Sete di bababa kariandara masharia dara baba karianda. Father, I pray, oh God, I pray, I pray. Church, I'm going to pray a prayer now for you all. It's something I felt the Lord say to me when I was in Malaysia. That we need to, we need to, for once and all, sons and daughters must arise. And I want to pray for you all. And as I pray for you all, a fresh measure will come to those who truly do seek a fresh measure. Why? Because in my voice is rain. I've got word and I've learned how to create from the word that God's given me. Many of you can do the same. So I'm not saying I can do something you can't. But from my supply, I want you to drink. And all I'm doing is connecting you to the supply. I'm not the supply. I'm just giving you something that many of you may not have. So that in the hope that you will connect to the source, the, the, the roar of the waterfall, the one himself. So as you open up your hands right now, and impartate, if, you, if your desire is to, is to become more than just a, a well, but you want to become more than that, then this prayer is for you. 
If you want to, want to progress, your life wants to become a supply rather than just receive it for you, but to give to supply to others, then God, this prayer is going to be for you and it's going to make, so listen, it's going to begin to start making you feel uncomfortable on the inside. Why? Because that's the word working. It's now beginning to work. It's now beginning to, to burrow and find, uh, find a new way because you can't stop water. Water wants to find its expression and find its way out. So when I pray this prayer, there's going to be inside, there's going to be an internal movement. And this water's going to push and push and push. And it's going to be like the woman birthing a baby. The waters are not going to wait for permission. They're going to find their way out. So Father, right now, if that's you, raise your hands. Father, I pray for these on my right. I pray, Father Lord, that from my supply, O God, there will be a flow, a new capacity given. Father, to these people on my right hand side, Father, I release it from heaven right now. A fresh measure coming upon you guys. A fresh measure. Surianda, receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it, a fresh measure. From this day on, you're going to feel a dissatisfaction for the, way, for, for the level you're at. And you're going to push and move <coughs> into God deeper than you've done before. There's going to be a greater intensity to know, a desire to know Him more than you've ever known Him before. That's what my heart has been praying for you. And that's what I believe God has given you today. A greater desire. Father, right now, for those in the center, Father, I pray for a greater intensity, a greater desire. I, I pray, Father, for a, a holy dissatisfaction to live in the status quo. I pray, Father, Lord, move, shake, move out the way, Lord, all obstacles, Father. I pray for a greater desire to know you, to, to want to know you, and to pursue you. Lord, let there become an intense pursuit coming upon you. Right now in Jesus' name. Now when this voice and this feeling comes upon you, you must obey it. Because for it to become a new nature on you, you've got to take hold of the voice and move with the voice. If you put it to one side, then you'll never grab hold of what God's trying to do. Let the waters find, let the internal waters lead you. Let the internal waters lead you. Why? Because these waters would lead you to heaven. There's a spring trying to find its way out, find its expression. And it's coming through you. Right now I see the Lord moving the obstacles. Right now I see the waters beginning to channel a new pathway. It's looking, it's looking to find the surface. I see it deep within. It's buried deep, so deep that people can't find it. People can't see it. But I see the water's intensity. It will not, it will not be held back. It wants to push. It wants to rise. It wants to find breakthrough. It's finding new channels right now. I see it. Finding new ways, new channels. It's got intensity like I've never seen before. Until all of a sudden, pow, breakthrough. And then people begin to see it from far and near. I see it, it's almost like an oil just breaking forth. When they, when they bore oil and all of a sudden you see it shoot 
I just see the intensity coming to the surface. This is what God wants to do in you. Come on, partner with him this morning in the spirit. Give me this, oh God. Give me this well. Give me this spring. That I may be able to supply it to others. Oh, Father. Mighty God. To you on my left. I pray the intensity of the Holy Spirit. I pray it fall upon you like you've never, you've never seen it before. New movements. New movements in the Spirit. New pathways. The Lord says to you on my left. A new day is dawning upon you. You've drank and drank and drank, but this is the time to move beyond drinking. It's the time to move on beyond drinking. Selfish pleasures, no longer. I'm raising up a different company of people. Doesn't matter how old or how young you are, I'm raising up a different company of people who carry a different grace, who carry a different water level. Don't drink like you've always drank. Learn, learn to take in a different way. Lord, say, Lord, show me how to drink. Show me how to take. When you're dialoguing with me, Lord, when you're speaking with me, Lord, show me how to take it. Father, I have one interpretation, but there must be your interpretation. Father, don't let me live by the opinions and projections of my own mind, but let me live from the spirit man. This is what heaven's going to do. I declare it to you. I declare it to this house. A fresh move of God is breaking out. This is starting from your bedroom, your living room. And it's going to connect you to the upper room, to the throne room, out to the marketplace. It's going to connect you in very, very unique dimensions. God says it's time to leave your living room. The supply is greater than your house. You're moving from need to supply. So from now on, this word must become an intrinsic part of you. And we read this word because through reading through this word, this is the portal of knowing him. As I step into the word, I get to know him. And the more I know him, the more I see him, the more I feel him, the more I hear him, the more I see that kind of water breaking out of my life, I become unstoppable. Amen? This is what's breaking over you. Father, right now, I thank you for what has been imparted and deposited into the spirit realm. Father, from this day forth, from this day forth, I'm looking at a new congregation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation. Lord bless you.